Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. We're in a series right now called Church Unfiltered. And uh, in this series, we've been talking about the fact that in this world, there is so much that we um, ascribed and prescribed to what's going on around us. It is under the gaze of a filter. And so while we were on vacation, I could open up, shoot a picture of, of a passing plane. And then right before it went to post, right before you all saw it on your screens at home, I was able to hit a button and enhance the the, the view, all of a sudden the blues got bluer and everything came more into focus and the haze of the day went away and man, just with a button I was able to, to change everything around me with a filter. And a lot of times what happens is, is that we watch the world through other people's filter. And what happens is when you're watching the, uh, the other people's filter, you look at your own life and you get discouraged. You get beat up. You get wore down because your life doesn't look like you don't have filters. You're just going through the real deal every day, the grind every day. And when you look at someone else's Facebook or Instagram or their other social media snap or whatever they're on, you're, you're watching what they want you to see. Not what really happens. And so, but crops and edits and filters, you, you see something that may or may not actually fully be reality. And a lot of times this happens in church too. In church, when we don't get real, when we don't get honest, when we don't break it down for each other, when we don't tell people what they need to know for real, then what happens is we mislead even each other. We don't fully show the truth about ourselves and so no one fully knows us. And we're not angry with the fact that we don't show ourselves. We're angry that nobody seems to know us. Or we feel alone and we feel ashamed in our life because we know the truth, but others don't. And so we're talking this month just on uh, how we can live a, a more unfiltered life. How can we live life without the filters? Today I'm going to take a, a left turn here, and I'm going to tell you to put a different filter on, actually. Today, I want to talk about if you're going to apply a filter, I want to be able to give you a filter to apply that will help you uh, in your day-to-day -day life. I was um, looking around, I think it popped up in my Instagram feed, but an advertisement, now I don't know why they thought I needed this, but uh, th this advertisement popped up for an app called Manly. How many of you even know what Manly is? Uh, giggles. So, so here's the deal. Manly, it, they advertise it that you could take your self-portraits, you could take your photos, and for men, you could add abs into all of your photos of yourself. No joke. And you can change the, the shape of your jawline and all this stuff. And so I'm like, well, I gotcha. I got to do research. It's, I'm a pastor, you know, we're doing a series on Unfilter. So I legit, I, I went ahead, I downloaded this thing and, and I, I didn't have, I didn't put any abs on myself, but I changed like the, the shape of my jawline and where my nose is and all. And I'm just like, this is terrible. This could be so, so bad. And then inside of the Manly app, they give you one for ladies and it's called Facey. Facey. And so I'm like, what is Facey? So I download Facey. And then I, I have Facey now. So if you look at my phone, it's just like, this guy is self-absorbed. He's got, he, he's editing everything. But, but anyhow, so I, I uploaded a picture and I put it in there and I put Christy's, uh, she doesn't even know this, we didn't talk about it this week. But I put my wife's picture in there and it allows you, it's got like a thousand different makeup schemes. 
So ladies, if you just want to try makeup on without actually trying makeup on, you just click buttons now and, and you can just see what you look like in different shades of hue. So, so there you go. But all of these, these apps, they're, 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 they're covering up, they're putting the wrong thing on. Here's what I've learned in life. I've learned that when we go through different phases and different seasons of life, that we're all going to face a lot of them. We're all going to face disappointment. We're all going to face discouragement. We're all going to face doubt. We're all going to face people that are not kind to us. We're all going to face this stuff. We're all going to face times where we feel desperate, times where we feel less alive, times that we just don't understand. We're going to go through real life. But a lot of us, we put the worst possible filter over the situation. We fill in the details when we don't have them. We fill in the story. When you don't have all the facts, you fill in the story. And you're, because you and I are sinners, because you and I are sinful, we fill in with usually the worst possible scenario. This is how many of you have figured out that you have the rarest form of cancer that's ever been discovered by humanity. Because you start out with a runny nose. And then you get online and you begin to fill in all the information. And it's like, well, hey, give us your symptoms. And you're like, Ronnie knows. Do you have sweaty palms? Well, yeah. Well, do you, do you itch? Now that you mention it, yeah. And, and you go down and you click all the buttons and it sends you on this rabbit trail. And like, you're like, wow, I've got like 10 hours to live. Because you and I, we fill in real life with the worst possible scenario. Worry is an investment in a problem you don't have yet. And you and I, we, we make investments all the time that are bad investments for our soul. They're bad investments for our heart. They're bad investments for our mind. They're bad investments for our spirit. Bad investments for our, our relationship with God. Our relationship with others. We make terrible intellectual investments all the time because we are applying terrible filters but what if what if God actually had something to say about seasons of life and when you go through things and the filters you could apply to those situations that would actually make you stronger spiritually that would actually improve your mindset that would actually improve your cardiovascular health because you're not making your blood pressure go crazy all the time what if you could apply some filters to some basic things that are going to come your way and I believe it's in Philippians chapter 4. Go to Philippians chapter 4. If you have our app, um, if you have the Bible app actually, inside the Bible app, down at the bottom right, there's a button that says events. Click that and then it'll pull up a map. You can search by map. And right where you're sitting, there'll be an icon that talks about uh, Captivate Church. Just click that and then there you have the sermon notes for the day. So if you would like, you can follow along on our Bible app, um, uversion.com or just the Bible app on your uh, in the app store. I want to read the whole passage and then what I'm going to do is break that passage down and go back and kind of uh, dissect it if you don't mind. I want to do something that's a little old school for me, um, but I really have been getting on myself to do it more. Let's stand for the reading of the scriptures today. If you've got your chair all the way out, I'll give you a pass today. But uh, you're like, man, I just got comfortable. And uh, so here we are in, uh, in, in Philippians 4. It says this, I entreat Eudoa and I entreat Cynthia to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women. He's writing a letter to a friend, a leader of the church. Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. 
whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Yes, I, 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 let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Everybody say anything. Man, that's a hard one, isn't it? Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that it says our heart and our mind. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and you have heard and you have seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would plant it on our heart. Do the thing that no preacher, no, no sermon can do. And take these words and apply them to our souls so that when we go live this week ahead of us, we do it uh, with you and for you because, because of you and by you. We love you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You guys can be seated. So we're breaking down this passage and we're saying, hey, we usually apply some pretty poor filters when we're dealing with different things in life. And so we come up across these ladies. We got Eudora and we got Cynthia. They're needing to agree in the Lord. Now, so here's the thing. There was a big disagreement going on. And so I want to encourage you today to apply a filter. Believe the best in disagreement. Believe the best in disagreement. If you're jotting notes, write that down. Believe the best in disagreement. Here's the deal. How would you like to be in the Bible? Like we would all be like, man, that'd be a really cool thing. That'd be great. That'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd live forever practically until everybody got to heaven. Like my name's there. Like, hey, can you see Tolly? Like, man, look at him. Pretty fancy. How would you like to be in the Bible because you couldn't get along? How'd you like an argument that you had to be forever anchored in the Word of God for all of humanity to know that you couldn't get along with somebody can you go back in your life and just think about your siblings think about your best friend that became your non-best friend your frenemy that became your enemy like can you think about what if it was etched into stone the fact that I couldn't get along with somebody now it had to be a big deal I hope you understand they didn't have text messaging in biblical times so but for this argument to have gotten so bad, it got so bad that it went all throughout the new church that was burgeoning there, the, the, the new church that was trying to get its footing, and all of a sudden this argument between two missionary women who love the Lord, he says so, who have walked with him in the missionary journey, who were doing great things, they got along so well. That a church got started, but somewhere along the line, somebody got deceived, somebody got mad, somebody stepped on somebody's shoes, somebody hung out with somebody's boyfriend, and all of a sudden, the deal is I don't know what happened. But, but all of a sudden, it makes its way back through letters, through scrolls, through word of mouth. Eventually, it makes its way all the way back to the author. And so he writes and he's like, hey! Can they cut it out? Ladies, cut it out. 
And I love, though, what he, what, what, what he does with this. He, he doesn't just say, stop it. He, he says, hey, I entreat you to agree. Where to agree? In the Lord. Agree in the Lord. Apply a different filter, ladies. You're going at each other. You're trying to kill each other. You're angry. You're so upset about this thing that it's causing other people problem. Now, other people are being brought into your drama. And it's causing a distraction for the sake of the gospel. So bring in another filter. Agree. If you can't agree in principle, if you can't agree on the facts, if you can't agree on the details, can you agree for the sake of something bigger? Can you bring in a new filter over your disagreement? Can you agree in the Lord? You say, well, what does it mean to agree in the Lord? It means that something is bigger. God is bigger than what is between us. That, that God's arms of love are stronger than my pain. That, that, that God's healing power over the situation, He's strong enough and able enough and, and, and capable enough to heal my heart. So if my heart is hurt because of what you did, at some point, when we try to do all of the human mechanics and when we try to go at each other and try to solve this thing, there are going to be some situations where you simply have disagreement. And you've got to decide, am I going to, to die on this hill of disagreement? Or is there something bigger? And so he says, I, I want you to agree in the Lord. And then he reaches in and he says, hey, third party, I'm going to ask you, true companion, can you jump in and help them figure this out? Like it so hurts my heart that there's a disagreement between. Them. Can you jump in? And so he's asking the elder of the church to jump in. Help these women who have labored. Look what he says. He didn't say, help these women. There's one that's right and one that's wrong. Help these women. I heard all the facts and I'm declaring a judgment. Help these women. I really actually have been friends longer with this one over here. So let me... No, no, no. He says, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the Gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Look at this. Whose names are in the book of life. You see, why did he have to do this? He had to remind these ladies in the middle of their disagreement that they could apply a new filter. One that maybe they had forgotten. And look at what he says. He says, do you forget that maybe, I mean, you work together for the sake of the Gospel. Like, do, do you value, do you see each other or, or can all you see in that person is this disagreement right here? If you're jotting notes, write this down. Disagreement does not need to become disillusionment. Disagreement does not need to become disillusionment. You see, what happens is when we apply the negative filters to the people that have brought us pain or brought us frustration, when, when all we can see in them is the filter of that pain and anger, then all of a sudden we're disillusioned because now we can't realize the good that is in them. Don't you know when your heart is hurt by somebody, when you're frustrated, when you've had that falling out, don't you realize that the enemy wants to bring the lens of that problem up every time you see them? And, that, and unfortunately, what happens is every time you bump into a person, that's what you see first. They were the one that said that unkind word. They were the one that forgot my birthday. They were the one that remembered my birthday, but because it was mentioned on Facebook, I know that they didn't remember my birthday. Because that doesn't count. 
like whatever it might be, the, the disillusionment grows and you begin to see people in our flesh only through the eyes of how they offended you. And Paul goes in and he's like, ladies, you guys help build a church together. Ladies, do you realize that you're co-laborers? Ladies, do you realize that both of your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, which means that you were both daughters of the Most High King? So can you agree, if you can't agree on the principle, if you can't agree in the details, if you're not going to get it right over the issue, can you at least agree in the Lord? Can you not be disillusioned by the, 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 the disunity? God is the God of unity. When we have disagreements with believers, a lot of times we want to believe that they're not, they're not faithful. If they were just faithful to the gospel, if they just understood the word like I do, if they just had it together, then they would be better. But because we have a disagreement, they must be wrong. And when we do that, we get disillusioned. And before long, something that might have purely started out as trying to help somebody or trying to correct somebody, all of a sudden, pride creeps in. And now we've poisoned the very thing that could have been used to help that person. And we're no better than they are. But the worst is we think we are. So discouragement, or I'm sorry, dis, uh, disagreement becomes disillusionment with people. And God says, hey, you know what I want? John 17, you can put that in your notes. Go read it later. John 17, all about unity. It says, hey, if you're in Christ, I want you to love each other the way the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one. I want you to have that kind of unity. What kind of unity? Trinity unity. Holy Trinity, God, Father, Son, Co-equal, different responsibility type unity. That's a big ask for God to give us. But we get disillusioned and we no longer see people for the value that they are. Unity is at the very heart of God. Don't participate in disunity as long as it depends on you. And remember this the next time you get a little cocky. Oscar Wilde, those of you that enjoy uh, literature. Every saint has a past. And every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. The next time you get a little bit cocky, the next time you start to believe that, that you've got it together and you've got it right and they've got it wrong, uh, you just got to remind yourself, no matter how good I feel today, I have a past too. I, 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 have, I have hurt God's heart too. And when you look at somebody and you say, hey, they're nothing. Look at them. Look at them. They're, they're drunk. Look at them. They're addicted. Look at them. They, 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 they cheat and lie and steal. And look at that person. Their heart is ruined. When you look at that person and you begin to get a little self-righteous, just remember that every saint has a past, but every sinner, they have a future. But you might be the one that needs to apply the filter of belief over their life. You might need to be the one that says, hey, I know where you are now. But trust me, I was there too and I want to help you. I, I know that where you are right now is not the woman that you want to be. Not the man that you want to be. And so I want to help you. I want to walk with you. I believe God has so much more in store for you. And I'm willing to believe with you and walk with you each day until you achieve that goal. Until you get to become the man or woman that God designed you to be and that you believe that's in there. I want to join you in the belief in yourself. Do you know we all need somebody to believe in us? We all do. I don't care how rough your exterior is. In fact, the more bluster that comes with a person's exterior, the more you can usually calculate that they have a soft and tender heart. Because it's the tenderness and it's the softness of that human heart that creates this bluster on the outside to try to protect what's sensitive on the inside. And so what we do is we apply, without full knowledge, the worst filter 
We just say, oh, look at them. You disagree? Oh, look at you. And Paul actually says, hey, can you guys get along in the Lord? Can you remember that you're part of Christ's church? Can you remember that you've done faithful work together? Can you keep in mind you're going to share heaven together? Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. It goes on. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. So these two were at it at each other. And, and then it, he's given some advice for them in the church. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. Say it again. Rejoice. It just sounds good, doesn't it? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So what is he chiding them against? Being what? Unreasonable. Be reasonable. So he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Since God present, since God is present, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's there. He's present. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want you to apply the filter. Believe the best in discouragement. Believe the best in discouragement. The Scripture says, you know what? Always rejoice. And we listen to that and we go, that's far-fetched. That's crazy. I can't. If you only knew what I was going through, you would never give me dumb advice like that. But, the, but Paul, the author, goes back and he's like, no, no, no. I don't want you to just rejoice for rejoice sake. That's a senile person. That's an in insane person. That's a crazy person. I don't want you to just rejoice just to make yourself. I want you to understand the Lord is at hand. You either believe that God is close or you don't. There are so many Christ followers who live as if God's dead. They genuinely don't believe the concept, the, the, the theology that God is present in their life. They walk around their life and they feel like, yeah, I got salvation for later, but what I'm dealing with right now, I am all alone. And so they need cheese delivered with their wine because they're all alone. They're all alone. No. Paul said, I want you to rejoice and I want you to rejoice again and again and again because God is Near, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Be, be rational about this. If God is near you, if God is close, if you have a theology that God didn't spin the world and walk away, but actually he's present, he's Emmanuel, God with us. If you believe this stuff, act like it. If you believe that you're sealed with the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, act like it. So quit, Christian. Quit being stressed all the time. Quit being unreasonable. Quit saying, oh my goodness, I'm great as a Christ follower until a problem hits. You know how many Christians are every bit atheist in their living? Because they, they genuinely don't believe that God is present. And if you, if you neglect the presence of God in your life, then of course you're going to be sad and depressed and discouraged. Of course this world's overwhelming. Of course every problem's going to hit you from the left and the right. The Scripture says you'll be tossed about like a boat in the middle of the ocean. You'll just be tossed about. But if you believe that there is a living and present and active God, then even in the midst of the worst, you believe that not an atom on the earth can be moved without the hand of God being engaged. Or you say, no, no, my faith is only for when I die. Right now, I'm the man. Right now, I'm the woman. Nobody's going to help me but me. I've got to help myself. My papa taught me. My daddy taught me. My mama taught me. My, my brother. 
No. If God is present, then He's present when you disagree. He's present when you're discouraged. He's present when you doubt. He's present in your sin. He's present in your tears for sanctification. He's present when you measure up. He's present when you fall short. He's present when you get the job. He's present when you don't get the job. He is present when the health comes back and the doctor says everything's fine. He's present when the doctor comes back with bad news. He is present in the midst of all of it. So let your reasonableness be known at all times. Because it is unreasonable for you to believe in a God who is present, who is for you, who loves you, who has all things work together on your behalf, who knows the number of days before you live them. This is all theology we say we believe. It is unreasonable to lose your mind every time something happens around you and discouragement turns into something bigger. Now, if you have clinical depression, I empathize. This isn't about you. This isn't even for you right now. That's something that's outside of your control. I'm speaking to the person that turns something small into a mountain because they don't apply faith over their situation. And so Paul says, hey, let your reasonableness be made known because the Lord is with you. You might not be able to rejoice in your job or your kids or your financial security, your friends or your current circumstance, but you can and you should rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is good to you. The Scripture actually lays out a how-to manual. How to believe the best in the middle of your discouragement. It goes through and it actually says that, that one, don't be anxious about anything. Determine in your heart. And this is going to be hard for a lot of us. But, but determine in your heart, I'm not going to let my heart get anxious. In fact, I'm going to pay more attention to when anxiety begins to creep in. Because the reality is anxiety is like a runaway train. The, 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 when it starts to leave the station, that's the time when you got the best chance to shut the bricks. Right? But when anxiety, your heart starts to flutter a little bit and you start to get worked up, when you start to feel that happen, learn your body, learn yourself, learn your mind. I was, I was reading an article this week about the, the, they're saying that it takes about 90 seconds for us for, for anger to calm down. And so you might apply something when the Scripture says, hey, Tolly, that's a command. Don't be anxious about anything. And you say, well, good luck with that. No, no, no. Just start small. Just, just challenge yourself not to be anxious. Just when I start to get worked up, what am I going to do differently than what I've done before? Because what you've done before, what I've done before, is when I start to get worked up, I just feed in more information. And is any of it good? No! How many of us are in the middle of a bad situation and anxiety starts to creep in and we go, hang on, let me pour, oh Lord, you are good, hallelujah. We, we don't. We go, Oh yeah, that was bad. And if that happens, this is going to happen. And what will she say of that? And what will he say? And what about my dad? And oh my goodness, who's going to take care of that? And we just add in on the anxiety. The Scripture says, hey, you know what? No, no, no. Don't be anxious about anything. Remember that the Lord is with you. Be reasonable about this. He is present. He is good. And you and I need to take the promises of God and feed into your anxiety machine and just say, no, 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 no. I don't have a reason to sweat. God is good. He loves me. And if the worst that happens in my eyes happens, he's still going to be there. I'm not going to get to the end of myself and then there is no God. I'm, I'm going to trust that he is 
presence. So he says, hey, don't be anxious about anything. Secondly, in everything. Everybody say everything. In everything, let your requests be made known to God. So with prayer, with supplication, and with thanksgiving. So what does that mean? With prayer, it means you talk to God. In your anxiety, it starts to come up. Start talking to God. God, this is how I feel. And God, I know you are strong. And I know you're the God of this situation. I know you're the God of this circumstance. And I know, Father, that you can part waters and you can heal the blind and you could raise the sick and you raised Jesus from the dead. And the, 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 the one that couldn't walk, you gave him the ability to walk. Lord, I know that you've brought about healing in so many other situations. Father, my anxiety is starting to creep up. So, so Father, can you help heal me? Talk to God. But then it says, you know what? With supplication. This means you talk to God passionately and humbly. Passionately and humbly. It means that you don't just say, here's what, what the difference is between the first. He says, hey, I want you to pray, but then I want you to pray with supplication. I want you to pray is what you and I mostly do for most of our prayers. Uh, dear God, please be with the pygmies in Africa. Like We, we don't care. Like We're not even thinking about it. We, we're, we're not identifying with them. We don't care about their plight. We don't care about their circumstance. It doesn't really affect us. And we're just like, we, we're supposed to pray. Dear God, pray for the people of South Africa. Do I know what's going on in South Africa? Well, no. Well, then why are you praying for them? Uh, supposed to pray for people. Dear God, pray for those kids down in the city hurting themselves. Do you know why? Do you know what their living conditions are? Have you bothered to visit a school? Well, no. Pray what supplication says? Lord, this is what's going on. This is the pain. This is the, the reality. Lord, I, I need You to move, Lord, because I've, I've seen it with my own eyes and I care about these people. And Father, I, I need You to move into life. And, and this is my, my, the little boy in the group and his mom has this going on. And Lord, all of this is piling in on this little boy. And so Lord, I, I, I want You to move specifically over these areas, Lord. And I know You're strong enough. I know You're capable. I know You're powerful. And, and so Father, move in the, 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 the dad who's, who's been displaced from the home over a, over a drug charge. And so Father, man, if he was able to, to, to get out and be able to get a job, and, and that's supplication. Specificity. It's intense. It's real. And so instead of taking all my aggression and just saying, oh Lord, I'm so mad at that. And not even going to the Lord in prayer, but just I'm so mad at you and I'm so my anxiety is building up. And I'm the, the scripture says, no, no, no. Revert all of that energy and go to the one that can do something about it. Believe the best. God, you can do it and I will believe you. And if I have a choice in this situation to let my anxiety rage and run out of control, or I have a choice to pray and believe with all my might, Father, I'm going to start praying and believing that You're going to move mountains. I'm going to quit feeding into all the anxiety around me and I'm going to start feeding into prayer. With thanksgiving. How in the world do you give thanksgiving for something that you're still praying for with supplication. It's because you believe God will move. The only way you can pray with thanksgiving is if you really believe God will move. What is the reason that over and over and over prayer is not answered in Scripture? 
the lack of faith. The lack of faith. Can God do it? Yes. But Jesus, He was most torn up about people. Go read Him. Just follow His life. Read read in the Bible. He was most torn up about people that didn't have faith in God. That was the biggest thing. He was most tore up. He wasn't, he wasn't nearly, he wasn't nearly, go look, go read your Bible. He wasn't nearly as wrecked for the prostitute. He, because he knew that the, the prostitute just got a glimpse of God, like she'd be fine. He was really wrecked for the ones that claimed to have faith, but they had no belief. He was looking at the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he was saying, you guys are supposed to know this, but you have no faith. You're cleaning up and you're shining the outside and you know how you're supposed to walk, walk and talk and act, but yet you have no faith on the inside. And so you and I, we apply the the worst possible scenario and the Scripture says, no, 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 believe the best. When you pray, when you have supplication in your prayer, thank God for the answer. Straight from the get-go. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard from me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Believe the best in disbelief. Believe the best when you're in disbelief. Because there are things in life that are going to come that are just going to knock your belief upside the wall. And you're just going to say, I'm disbelieving. I don't even know what to say. I'm shocked. I'm, 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 I'm all struck. I don't even know where to go from here. I, I don't know what it's like to have this kind of loss. I don't know what it's like to have this kind of questioning. I don't know what it's like to have this kind of doubt. I've never been here before. So I, I'm in disbelief. And you know what he says? He says, if you want to put some filters over your life, the enemy is going to offer a set of filters. And that set of filters that the enemy is going to offer are going to be a bunch of filters that are going to get your heart rate up and are going to stress you out and they're going to make, make, your, make, make you bounce off the walls. Or you can apply some new filters. You can start believing the best about different things. And it's not believing the best because you're senile. You're believing the best because you're real. You really believe God is at work. You really believe prayer changes things. You really believe that faith can move mountains. You really believe the stuff about this Bible that you say you, do, you believe. The world needs more people who actually believe the Bible than than people that just walk around trying to figure out what makes the world happy. We need people that are saying, listen, I'm going to love people like there's no regard. I'm always going to love. In the middle of all that, I'm always also going to believe. And I'm also going to share my faith. And I'm also going to tell people what I believe and why. I'm also going to take the courage to pray out loud so that somebody else knows what I'm trusting God for. The reason that I won't pray out loud, the reason that I won't speak what I'm asking God for is because I'm scared that God won't come through. Let's be honest about it. And so because we won't pronounce it out loud, then we feel like we've got a we've got a hedge on our bets how about we just start preaching our faith out loud how about we just start praying out loud for people how about we start telling people i'm praying for you and this is how if you want to know i'll tell you how i'm praying for you because i want god to move in your life but we don't believe it so we're not doing it but he says in the middle of your disbelief in the middle of those times when it's all falling apart in the middle when everything's falling down you want to put a filter Put this filter. Look for anything good. Look for anything good. Look what he says. He says, hey, you know what? Whatever is true. Why? Because you're going to be faced with lies. Whatever is honorable. Why? Because 
this world's going to give you lots of dishonor. There's a whole chart here. What you see versus what you think about. Whatever is just. Think about just. Think about whatever is just. Why? Because there's so much injustice in the world. I can feed myself a steady diet of injustice. Or I could say, Father, You are just, and I believe You'll answer this because You're a just God. And here's how justice does play itself out. Whatever is pure, why? Because there's so much impurity. Whenever someone is unloving, think about what is lovely. Whenever you see things that are reprehensible, think about whatever is commendable. Whatever is broken all around you, think about anything where there is excellence. Whatever is, whenever there is something that's condemnable, which there's plenty enough in this world, then ask yourself, is there anything worthy of praise? And meditate on that. You see, you and I are going to apply filters. Your anxiety wants to apply a filter. Your past experience wants to apply a filter. The way you were raised and the family you were brought up in wants to apply filters. The common joke among people is, is I, I don't recognize my family. Because it's like we grew up together, but we don't believe anything that they believe. Like we're really rocked by it. Like, who are you? Like, I, I don't process the world. And what happens is when sometimes when families get together, they want to apply each other's filters. When you have friends and you're dating, you guys that are in college, and what you're going to find is you're going to have some people that they've just got some unrealistic filters that they try to apply in your life. Sometimes you got a friend that everybody's the devil. Girl, stay away from him. He, oh, he trouble. He trouble. And it's like, but he, but he goes to my church. Yeah, but he trouble. He's, he don't pray enough. Then you got some that are, everything's rosy. Oh, girl, you got a new, you got a new boyfriend? Oh, that's so great. When y'all going to get married? Calm, calm down now. We might not need to be doing all that. But what you have to ask yourself is you have to say, Lord, where is their noble? Where is their purity? Where is their good? Where is their love? Where is their justice? Because Father, I, I want to I think about those things. Even in the midst of the things in my life that get me discouraged. Even in the disagreements that I have. Even when I have disbelief. I want to apply some different filters. They may not be the filters that my mom wants to apply. They may not be what my dad wants me to do. They may not be what my, my sorority friends want me to do. Or my, or my brothers. They, they may not be all these things. But Father... I want them to be your things. How can I apply the filter of God over my life? This is what we mean, Christians mean, when we say, give us eyes to see the way that you see. Give us ears to hear the way that you hear. Father, let me filter this world through you. And let me live in response to that filter. Not everything else. Not everybody else. Let me have the peace that passes all understanding. This is how you can stand out among your friends who don't know the Lord, but you want them to. Is when things are going crazy, you have this peace. Because it's not because you don't see the problem. It's just that you're not going to add more filters. You're going to believe the best in disagreement. You're going to believe the best when you have disbelief. You're going to believe the best when you're discouraged. You're going to believe the best in all of these things. And on the other side of all of that is the glory of God. Father, would you help the people in my life to see how you see things through my eyes.
because of my calm, because of my trust, because of my faith, because of my thanksgiving and prayer, would you help the rest of the world see you?